listening to Gleanings, the monthly newsletter from Strategies at Work, podcast edition, July 1st, 2018. Upcoming events. The Strategic Life Alignment Seminar. Struggling to find meaning, purpose, and satisfaction in life? The Strategic Life Alignment Seminar will equip you with tools for discerning your divinely ordained life purpose. The seminar began in January, but it is not too late to register. For information, please visit strategieswork.com. The SLA Alumni Event. The 2018 Alumni Event will be held on July 20th through 21st, 2018, and the topic will be Your Plan and God's Plan. For information or to purchase recordings of all seven alumni events, please visit strategieswork.com. The Power of Being Strategic. Learning a Biblical Approach to Strategic Living, Personally and Organizationally. This seminar will be held on November 1st, 2018. For information and to register, please visit strategieswork.com. These are challenging economic times. There is much fear in the world. Now more than ever, people need to understand the power of building their lives on Christ. Only faith in Christ can provide sustained victory over fear. If you need help learning how to walk with Christ, Strategies at Work has consultants in various parts of the world. Please see the website, strategieswork.com, for contact information. And now, Dr. Chester brings us the message titled, Overcoming Trauma. How would you respond if you experienced hatred, rejection, betrayal, kidnapping, the threat of death, false accusations, injustice, and abandonment? Any of these experiences could be highly traumatic. How would you respond if you experienced all of them? Between the ages of 17 and 30, Joseph, the 11th son of Jacob, the son of Abraham, experienced them all. Joseph was the oldest of two sons born to Jacob by his favorite wife, Rachel. Perhaps Jacob favored Joseph because of his mother and because Joseph was one of the last of Jacob's children. To show his fondness, Jacob made Joseph a special coat. Jacob's favoritism did not escape the notice of Joseph's brothers who responded with anger and jealousy. When Joseph was 17, his father sent him to check on his brothers who were tending livestock about 50 miles from the family home. When Joseph arrived, his brothers saw an opportunity to express their anger and hatred toward him. They plotted to kill Joseph. But the oldest brother convinced them to throw Joseph into a pit with the intent of saving him later. Before the older brother could execute his plan, the fourth brother, who was in the line of Christ, suggested that they make a profit with Joseph. So he was sold to traders who took him to Egypt and sold him as a slave to Potiphar, a senior official of the king. As a slave, Joseph applied himself and enjoyed favor from the Lord. He was promoted to the position of manager of Potiphar's house and served well until he was wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar, believing his nefarious wife, put Joseph in prison. In prison, Joseph again demonstrated his management prowess, and he enjoyed divine favor. Soon he was made chief steward of the prison. Then two of the king's officials, the chief baker and a chief cupbearer, were incarcerated for unknown reasons. Sometime later, both had dreams on the same night. Joseph correctly interpreted the dreams. The cupbearer was released, and the baker executed. Joseph made one request of the cupbearer that he would help him get out of prison. The cupbearer, however, did not follow through, at least not initially. 
This is a rather amazing story. How could Joseph even function after the trauma caused by the familiar hatred, rejection, betrayal, kidnapping, the power, the threat of death, and being sold into slavery? Then while faithfully serving Potiphar in Egypt, how could he overcome being falsely accused and imprisoned? And finally, how could Joseph continue to faithfully steward the prison for another two years after interpreting the cupbearer's dream and then being forgotten by the cupbearer? The trauma Joseph experienced seemed unjust and unbearable. Nevertheless, he prospered, eventually becoming second in command in Egypt and the agent for saving his family. How could this happen? How could Joseph have endured and prospered during the 13-year odyssey filled with so many painful traumatic events? May I suggest three possible reasons? First, he was able to see reality from God's perspective. Second, he never lost faith in God. And third, he lived congruent with transcendent values defined by God. So let's consider these three possible reasons in reverse order. First, Joseph lived congruent with transcendent values defined by God. In the pedestrian culture of today, people presume the right to define their own values. Even among organizations and nations, leaders seem to find shared values as a basis for agreements. The presumption is that humans have the autonomous right to sovereignly embrace the values of their choice. Joseph did not think this way. He believed that God defined the values that humans are to embrace. Because God is spirit, he is transcendent, and therefore his value system will be transcendent. Joseph revealed his commitment to transcendent ethical values when Potiphar's wife sought to seduce him, but he refused when he said, How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Genesis chapter 39 verse 9. Joseph clearly viewed marital infidelity as a violation of God's transcendent ethical values. This may be hard for people today to understand because we view matters of sexual morality as a personal matter rather than a divine edict. Next, Psalm 105 verse 19 reveals that Joseph was tested by the word of the Lord. The prophetic dream that Joseph received as a young man was unfulfilled for at least 13 years. This psalm intimates that during this time, Joseph certainly wondered if and how the prophecy would be fulfilled. Nevertheless, he endured in his faith in God, as demonstrated by his clear statement to both the king and his servants that God interprets dreams. Though his own dream had not been realized, he did not lose faith in God. Notwithstanding the trauma of being hated, rejected, betrayed, kidnapped, threatened with death, falsely accused, wrongly incarcerated, and abandoned, Joseph never blamed God for his circumstances. His dire circumstances did not debilitate him. Rather, they served to release his potential. Two indicators validate this conclusion. First, Joseph was able to function so well as a slave that he became the chief steward in Potiphar's house. Furthermore, though wrongly incarcerated, he was clearly a model prisoner and was promoted to the position of head steward of the prison. And in the end, he was able to see the hand of God in all the trauma. If Joseph had been negative, angry, or unforgiving, he could never have functioned with such excellence. And when he had the power to harm his brothers, who had caused him so much of the trauma, he did not seek revenge. Rather, he was able to forgive them because he could see 
the hand of God in these circumstances. Being able to see reality from God's perspective is metaphysical awareness, which enables a person to properly see the purposes of God in the circumstances of life, even painful circumstances. Consequently, while recognizing his brother's sin, Joseph also recognized God's redemptive nature to use sin to accomplish good. God sent Joseph to Egypt ahead of his family, matured him, positioned him as a ruler in Egypt, and used him to save his family and preserve the lineage of Christ. This is a wonderful illustration of how God uses rulership to save his people and to support his plans. On some level, everyone will experience trauma. But trauma does not have to debilitate us. Trauma does not have to block us from finding and fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. Joseph modeled how to properly respond to traumatic circumstances. As you compare your life to Joseph's, perhaps you are convicted that you are not managing life as well as he did. If so, perhaps the reason is you are not living consistently by the three key principles that Joseph practiced. Consider them again and how to apply them to yourself. First, we must view the events of life, including trauma, with metaphysical awareness. This means we recognize that God uses these events redemptively to release his potential in and through us. Secondly, we must also trust that God is good and is always working everything to accomplish his purposes. Since we exist at his pleasure, our only purpose should be to do his will. Given his sovereign, intentional, and strategic nature, he will accomplish his will through all circumstances. We must trust him and therefore not allow the trauma of life to debilitate us, depress us, or distract us from fulfilling his purpose for our lives. Third, we must be obedient to God's transcendent values and principles. We do not have the right to redefine the values and principles that we adopt. Rather, we have the responsibility to embrace and practice God's transcendent values and principles. When we live congruently with these key principles, trauma will not define us or debilitate us or distract us. Rather, we will overcome trauma. God's potential will be released in us and we will fulfill the creation mandate of Genesis 1, 26-28 to rule God's creation as his agents. As we do this, we will be used of God to fulfill his purpose for those we are called to serve. This will lead to a successful life. The story of Joseph also illustrates a principle taught by one of my spiritual fathers, Dennis Peacock, who famously said, power is guarded by problems. Clearly in the case of Joseph, his ultimate power as second in command in Egypt was guarded by traumatic events that prepared him for his destiny. This is the way of the Lord. May the Lord grant us grace to overcome trauma as Joseph did.